What time is it where you're at? 9 a.m. Hmm. That's not so bad. That's not no. So bad. You know, only an hour, hour difference. But yeah, had to type it in. Yeah. <laughs> Eastern to Central. Who knows that conversion out there? Help me. Welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio host, and nationally recognized safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Join us each week as we discuss the best and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. Follow Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. David Proden, and welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast. With us today, Aaron Reynolds of FN Birds. Thank you so much, Aaron, for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for thanks for having me on. So, humor. You know, I I, I prepared a statement because I I want to give people kind of the context of what uh, what humor is and, and kind of the challenges to humor right now in society. So, humor is observed in all cultures, all ages. Historically, psychologists framed it as negative, that you are being um, vulgar, you're exhibiting superiority. Freud said it's a defense mechanism. But modern research shows that we need humor activities. Uh, People appreciate humor. They have greater sense of well-being. And people who don't use humor tend to be more depressed. Clinical psychologists are using humor to increase subjective well-being or if people perceive that they feel better. Um, it's an essential part of personal safety. So how does that tie into the safety doc? We plow through life. We don't tune into what's happening around us. If we're tuning into what is happening around us, we're tuning into the nuances of life and we're tuning into the humor. It just makes us so much safer, so much more aware of our environment. Every time we laugh, we kind of decompress a little bit. We bring out that stress and manifest it in a laugh. We're better for it. We're safer. So humor is an essential part of safety. If we become too literal, too linear, we miss out on humor. We're not as safe. It's difficult, though, to do that in a world that seems to punish us for laughing. So Aaron, tell us about yourself. (laughs) <laughs> Aaron Reynolds, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah, I. Um, what's really funny about that whole introduction is that my pathway to doing this was kind of a self-help. Um, I got really sick a few years ago, and I couldn't work. Uh, my work all involved talking, and I couldn't speak. Wow. And so, for a guy who like spent literally eight hours a day talking, 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 presenting, um, and not being able to speak at all was a nightmare. And I got into this sort of depressive cycle of watching, uh, the wrong kind of movies on Netflix. I watched, uh, Blue Ruin, which is a great movie. And I watched Only Lovers Left Alive, which is a great movie. And, uh, all of a sudden, all of my Netflix recommendations were, here are films where people are depressed and then they die. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know? And so I was like, I gotta like, not, do this anymore and i through a series of i uh, a series of choices essentially i started making things on the internet 
And I mean, I had done small things before, but I started putting the work into them and, uh, you know, putting the effort behind them and putting the consistency there to them. And I ended up with like a series of, you know, viral things that I kept taking all the lessons from the last one and then building a new one that was, that did the good parts and left out the bad parts. And then it, you know, it would be here and then I would do it again. And, and eventually we got to F and birds, which is, you know, now my day job, which is terrifying. You know, my day job is making jokes on the internet, which is <laughs> like, it's the dream, but also like, how did I get here? Right. I have to think back to like, I had to have a crisis to get here, you know? So, and so, so Aaron, was it, um, uh, swear trek, right? Um, the the yeah. memes of Star Trek was, was was that more or less the the starting point when you were making the transition from your work and career into okay I'm going to explore you know I'm, I I understand humor I'm going to sp- explore this more hey it's starting to go viral was that where it started that was that was the second or third thing and it actually went through a bunch of iterations before it before it got somewhere like I had to figure it out Swear Trek I love Swear Trek. Square Trek is a project with zero commercial prospects because it plays in the playground of, you know, somebody else's, you know, intellectual property. Right. Right. And so, uh, and birds was essentially the, the, the exercise of, can I do the same thing that I did over here on Square Trek, but with content that does not belong to CBS or Paramount pictures and get the same kind of results or similar results. And uh, what I was surprised to find was when I removed the specificity of Star Trek from it, it was more popular. You know, I thought that was the thing that I was like, I'm hitching my wagon to a thing that's already popular. Okay. You know? okay. And, and that's how I'm going to get here. But it turns out that the part that I was doing right was more important to the project than the part that belonged to somebody else. And that, that I mean, that made me feel really good. So F and birds, um, tell us about it. When, when did it start? When did that, that idea come up? Yeah, it's, it's about, it's almost three years old. It's going to have its third birthday, um, soon, next couple of months, something like that. Uh, it was originally, I had done a bunch of good stuff and swear track was like really hitting its stride and I got invited to pitch a media organization that was struggling with some of their social media content. They asked me for some pitches, you know, they uh, essentially what they wanted. And I knew this from all of our conversations, what they wanted was they wanted swear Trek, but for content that they owned. Okay. So I was like, that's great. Like we can, and you know what the part that kills me is that project fell apart over, uh, internal, uh, licensing stuff. Cause they got concerned about, um, uh, for instance, paying actors royalties on a, on a GIF from a show from 20 years ago and stuff oh, like that. Okay. And so like, you know, that's a, that's a reason for this to fall apart. It's sad that that's the reason that fell apart, but you know, I understand it. Uh, but I had pitched them a whole bunch of other stuff because it was an opportunity to pitch a, like a big media organization that I really like, I respect and like. And, and so I pitched them the proto effing birds. I pitched them what would become effing birds, but a little tweaked to be more, uh, brand relevant to them and they hated it they they hated hated oh. hate like they first didn't talk for about 20 seconds <laughs> after i presented the idea and then they were just like no this is this is bad and i was kind of crushed because i was like this is i love this this is going to be really good right and uh and the next day i was like but here's the thing these guys are struggling with their with their social media offerings 
you yes. know, and they're asking me because they need my help. I think it's a good idea. Why don't I just do it myself? And so I went online and I looked and I found a $20 stock art package of birds. And I don't know if you've seen the effing birds owl. He shows up a lot and he's got his eyes really like squinty. Uh, he's in the book. Let me just find him here. This is a video I can show him. Uh, there he is. That's the, that's yes. the effing birds owl. Uh, anyways. Yep. Uh, so he was on the front cover of the, of the package. And I was like, Oh, this is, this is what I, how much is this to license? $20 Great. done $20. Uh, and, uh, and so that was the, the basis of F and birds was like the 16 birds that were in that, that package. And it within a week was more popular than their brand. And I felt really good about that, you know, and then I tried to build it and I tried to build it. And, and what was really funny is I, I ended up thinking that I had done it wrong, um, or miscalculated in some way because I made it popular and I made it more popular than swear trick very quickly. But I couldn't make money at it, which was, which was built into its DNA. Like that was one of the, when we talk about like pain points of previous projects, one of the pain points of a, a project that takes up like a ton of time is that if it doesn't have an income, it's a hard project to continue doing. Yes. You know what I mean? Like you yes. can do a project for love or you can do a project for the way that it drives other things in your career, you know, or the way that it drives uh, exposure or something like that. But if it's not doing at the time I had a job for a, like a big technology company. And so F and birds did nothing for my job. Um, it did quite the opposite. Uh, and, um, uh, and so it was one of those things where I thought I had a business model in my head. And when I executed it, it was a huge failure. And I mean, it wasn't a failure. It did. Okay. But it did not meet did not come close to meeting my expectations. Um, on a yeah. previous project we had done, uh, do you know Cotton Bureau? Have you ever, you ever seen Cotton Bureau? It's a great website. Okay. They do, no, I haven't. They do, um, I, I mean, it's reductive to say it's like Kickstarter for shirts, but it's like Kickstarter for shirts. Okay. Uh, they do classic old school screen printing. And uh, they, you know, the thing, the difference between screen printing and like the on-demand printing you get from all these places is screen printing is great, high-quality, old-fashioned T-shirt printing. Yes. Uh, but you have to do larger runs, you know, and you have to do them all at once. And so what they, what they do is they run, like, a two-week campaign, and however many shirts you sell in that two weeks, that's how many they run. Okay. Great, right? It's great. And it has a built-in timer, so, you know, in terms of, like, marketing things on the Internet, it's great. You only have two weeks to buy it. So, you know, so here's a... And so the thing was, I had done, for previous projects, I had sold like literally 10,000 shirts uh, for, for another project. And I was like, okay, F and birds, here comes the first shirt for F and birds. Let's see how we're going to do. I sold 30 shirts and I was like, Oh, I've done this wrong. I've miscalculated. And it like, it killed me to have yeah. only sold 30 shirts. And I, I kept doing the project because I believed in it, but it was going to come to an end if I couldn't find a way to move beyond that, you know, 30 shirts. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and what it turned out, the thing was, it was my thinking that was the wrong way around on it. I was expecting that there was one universal thing that everybody would want to buy. And the thing with F and birds is there are three jokes every day and every joke hits the right spot for somebody, but yes. there's no joke that hits the right spot for everybody. Right. And my friend, uh, Nick, uh, he had been, he, he badgered me for, I, I'm going to say literally three months. He 
was on me that I needed to do on-demand merchandise and a bunch of different designs at the same time. None of this doing one design and trying to sell it. And I finally relented. I, you know, and I didn't have a lot of hope going into it, but we could do it for almost no money. So it was nothing, there was nothing to lose, you know, there was just some time. And, uh, and so we did it and it was hugely successful. And so, and now it's, it is my primary income. Thank you for tuning in to the safety doc podcast with the nation's leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin, author, radio show host, university instructor, researcher, expert witness, and consultant. Powerful testimonials. Dr. Perodin has a strong reputation as the go-to safety consultant, and he was still able to exceed our expectations. When we went looking for an expert in the field of crisis preparedness and prevention, David was the single person we pursued. Not easy stepping into the touchier subjects of life, but Dr. David pulls it off. Take a listen. Now, back to Dr. David Perodin and the Safety Doc Podcast. I read that uh, F and Birds merchandise on, on one day did something like eleven thousand um, dollars. That was is that yeah is that, that was accurate? that was launch day. Yeah, that was launch day for the on demand thing. So I went from uh, when we look at like uh, thirty shirts at thirty bucks. You know, I mean nine hundred dollars is not nothing, right. but but you take that and then you do eleven thousand, and that was two weeks to get to that nine hundred, and then eleven thousand in one day, and uh, part of that is there was pent up demand, but part of it was because I launched with, you know, with 15 different shirts available. Right. And so, so the you, thing is, if you only sell absolutely. 30, it's okay. If you only sell 30, if you've got 10 of them. Yes. No. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Aaron, this, uh, so your merchandising is any of this, um, at, at your house or property, or is this all through, through a company that distributes so this for you? The majority of it is print on demand through a company called Printful, uh, who've been a great partner all of this we do the majority of it through a company called printful uh they are they've been a fantastic partner and they they're great because they have a really wide variety of merchandise i wanted to do shirts but they also did mugs and of course i did mugs and it turns out i've sold yeah. a lot more mugs than shirts uh and uh then they also do flip-flops and so every once in a while it's like oh let's put something on a flip-flop and see if people want to buy that and of course they do because it's funny and you know and if i can make a joke about flip-flops why on flip-flops then i've done a great job um but we also started doing we used the money that was generated from that that first big blast to do some products that we had to do through traditional channels uh pins you can't do a pin on demand you have to do two thousand pins you know to get a good price on pins and so i did runs of pins uh, and I did, uh, runs of, uh, decks of cards. Yes. Uh, yeah. I've always wanted to have decks of cards and it turns out uh, deck of cards is the best giveaway item I have. If I'm trying to, uh, generate buzz, uh, when I go to events, I take decks of cards with me because wow. the thing about a deck of cards is it's not something that is just, it's not just this person who understands the deck of cards because when you give somebody a deck of cards, they play with their friends. Right. right. And so they infect <laughs> the group around them Makes with sense. the love of F and birds. And so 
Um, I, I did it hoping that that would be the case the first time. And it was so powerful that I just did it over and over and over again. So, you know, that's been pretty good. Um, decks of cards, pins. We have anything else? Some stickers. I started doing stickers. Now I do stickers on demand, uh, because we found a good sticker on demand option, uh, because stickers were a little challenging because we never had the stickers that the exact stickers people wanted. Because I was like, well, I can put three into production. I'm going to pick the top three. And, right. you know, they did They did well. I'm not complaining that they didn't do well, but they didn't do as well as we would have hoped. So, you know, so stickers on demand is great. Um, that stuff, thankfully, was never in my own basement. Well, I mean, some <laughs> in my basement for a couple of days. But as soon as we started doing not on demand merchandise, I was like, you know what I need? I need a shipping guy. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, Actually, right from the start, I had immediately hired one person, uh, Nick, who convinced me to build the store, manages the store, uh, manages the back end. He does the web stuff because that's not my it's not my forte. And uh, and plus, I want to spend the time writing the jokes, not the time, you know, yes. doing the doing the back end stuff. And so when shipping came, I was like, great, I need a shipping guy. And so uh, Ryan is my shipping guy. Grant was my first shipping guy. Love you, Grant. Uh, uh, Grant decided that he didn't want to have so many pins in his house. Yes. <laughs> it was, you know, understandable. Um, but Ryan's got a nice big basement. And so far, Ryan's wife has not objected to like the quarter ton of uh, paper products that arrived at his door. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, the greeting cards. There was a big shipment of greeting cards showed up at his place. Cause it's almost Christmas. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah. And I have a customer service guy as well because I, I learned really early on there are a lot of emails to answer and if I answer too many of them, I will start to get grumbly or mean or, uh, you know, the thing where, uh, something happens to you over and over again and none of the other people involved know that it's happening to you over and over again. You're the only one who knows, but you're still like, you're mad at the seventh person. You know, right. yes. it's, it's not their fault. And I was like, I don't want to be that guy. I need somebody who can not be that guy. <laughs> you know, somebody who can just let it roll off of them who has the right set of skills for uh, for working with that. And so I hired Joe to do my to do customer service. Wow, that's Team F and Birds. You're working with your editor. You're working. Yeah, your publisher. Yeah. Uh, when I when I wrote my book, um, I had some friction with my editor friction with my publisher one of the things was you know how many how many words and, and i know now we're talking pictures but you know everything is measured in in words and people don't understand that unless you write a book that it's it's you don't know pages you know from the you can't just say here i've, I've written something it's 200 pages so it will be 200 pages right. in a book right. um so did you have any friction points with your editor or publisher and and how did how did you work through yeah. those you know, for the most part, I went into it with the thought process of I have never written a book before. Um, and I have uh, I was I was blessed to have great editors in the UK and in the US. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to take all the advice and I'm only going to choose one or two you know, battles to fight, you know, and the one battle that I did fight a little bit was about punctuation because oh, okay. I, I am, um, I'm very deliberate with my punctuation and I use it as if you are reading a script and in your head, this is how, this is how the voice goes. Yes. So I, I frequently use no period at the end of the sentence 
to denote a sentence that doesn't sound like it ended with finality. Okay. What were we talking about? You know what I mean? Like that. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. And so, and yeah. so, um, I, I got an, uh, an email from my editor that said, look, we're going to have to talk about your dislike of punctuation, <laughs> <laughs> uh, particularly, question marks. Yes. Uh, particularly question marks, because I would have a bunch of questions in the captions for F and birds that didn't have question marks at the end because I, in my head did not hear them as a question. Yeah. And so what I said to myself was, I'm going to fight for two of these and let the rest of them go. And so I picked two where I really cared about and I made my case and it was great. We, we, we met in the middle. I got my two with no question marks and all the other ones have question marks. I think they're probably better with the question marks, you know, it's, <laughs> Um, and, and then actually, I think the, one of the most interesting conversations I had going into the American version of the book was, uh, because, uh, it was picked up in the UK first. And so the UK version is the, you know, the first version, even though technically it's street date is two days later, <laughs> it was submitted and edited in the UK. And then that version came over to the United States to be the, uh, to become the American version. Um, the, the most interesting conversation I had was about dust jackets. And so the American edition doesn't have a dust jacket. And uh, I, the, what I heard from, uh, from 10 speed in the U S is that the majority of their Amazon returns and one star Amazon reviews are about damage to dust jackets. Okay. Right. And, and so they were like, so, you know, if it's okay with you, we're not going to do a dust jacket on this. And I was like, that's I'm that you're the expert. And that sounds like good lived experience. that yes. I absolutely want to, you know, <laughs> I want to take into account here. And so the American version does not have a dust jacket. Um, and what was interesting is um, uh, because the book was originally born as a, a crowdfunded project before it, before it got picked up uh, by publishers, uh, the crowdfunded version shipped about a month ago. And, that is what I see a lot of, and thanks, thanks Joe for getting these emails. Uh, but it there's like there's a dent in the corner of the dust jacket, or there was a little tear in the corner of the dust jacket. It's like, yeah, that's yeah, yeah a thing that happens. Wow. And so you know, it's you know it's it's really I, I found that fascinating, and I, I mean it's been a great choice I think for the the American version of it. I also was informed there would be no dust jacket you know just hardcover yeah. when when i did yeah. a book and i i never questioned i didn't i didn't get deeper into that um but well i'm, gl I'm glad things went well i mean things things went well with with my publisher too it was my also my first book and um uh yeah mine mine strictly was kind of on this this word count every time they would go through and, and i'd yep. submit it and then they would kind of rough proof it and say well now go up you know ten thousand yeah. words now go down fifteen thousand words but um, when it, when it was done, I was, I had some content that was still usable that I spun off into some journal articles all as well. Um, yeah. so, you know, so, what? I just, just speaking of that, I, the, there was one other thing that, um, because this book, the one difference between how I do F and birds on the internet and how I do F and birds in the book is that the book is more like a bird spotter guide in yeah, terms yeah. of <laughs> it has these sections that are, uh, there we go. Now you can Which see I it. Love. Uh, sections of habitat and so on. Um, and so the thing was about breaking format. I had a format that I built that was identifying characteristics, habitat, a line of description, a few other bits. And, and I got a lot of feedback about how often I broke that format. 
And uh, because I, you know, I'm a guy who likes to set an expectation and then break the expectation for humor. Like that's, that is a key to like, I mean, it's a key to how all of this works. But uh, so I would build the, the, you know, habitat identifying characteristics. And then I would have one that just is like a single aggressive, hyper aggressive line, you know, uh, and nothing else. And the thing is, I did it so often that it was destroying the joke. And so I ended up uh, rewriting about, uh, let me see, I'm going to say at least 20 of them to more closely conform to the, um, to the, the standard that I, that I myself had built. And just so that there are only, I think there's now only three that break the format in the book and each of them has considerably more impact, you know, than when, than if there were 23. Aaron, um, yeah. How do you how do you start effing birds um, and, and balance out a career and family? And then also, you know, this is this opens a lot of doors, but then it probably closes some doors because it, it's a you know it effing yeah. birds and and so so tell me how how you make that um, that jump how you how you do that how you balance that and take the risk. There was a lot of thought involved in it because. I had a comfortable, well-paying job that I was good at, that I enjoyed doing. And one of the real tension points in my life was I had a 40-hour job, you know, 40 hours a week, and I did probably another 35 hours of internet, you know, effing birds and swear track and a couple other projects. Um, And I have a lot of other projects, and what happens is a bunch of them will go on hiatus. And they may come back because I love them, or they may never come back because of time. One of my favorites was called Pet Upgrades, and people would send me pictures of their pets, and I would draw new eyes and mouths, and oh. sometimes props, onto the animals so that they, you know, had a new... Um, my, my favorite was this cat that looked really grumpy, and I gave him a cigar oh. and, like, these like these two, like, really curled-in eyebrows, and suddenly he looks like the editor of the newspaper, you know? And everybody kept tweeting, get me pictures of Spider-Man in response to this picture of the cat, and because wow. uh, he looked like J. Jonah Jameson. And uh, uh, so, I mean, I love that project, but it took a ton of time, and it had this many commercial prospects, you know? So... Uh, it was, uh, it has been a casualty of, you know, of time, of a time crunch. Uh, I hope one day that I get back to that one. Um, so there was this increasing stress of how do I continue to do my job and do all of these other things that are also another job. And then came a crisis point. I got, um, we were in the middle of the book crowdfund and it was going to be a nice long crowdfund with a nice leisurely deadline for me to deliver the book so that I could do it while doing all these other things. And, um, the lovely people at 10 speed press in the States came in and they said, Hey, we want to buy this book. We want to buy it for the American market. Here is the deadline we would like you to hit because we want it out for Christmas 2019. And I was like, well, that's so soon. Yeah. So I went to work and I said, guys, is there any opportunity for me to take a couple months off or move to part-time for about three months? Because I have a deadline in three months that I need to hit that I'm not going to be able to hit doing all the things that I'm doing right now. And I was really surprised because I, I worked there for 11 years, but I was really surprised that what I got back was um, an immediate, you are going to have to decide which of these things is more important to you. 
And that was on a Wednesday and I had quit. I quit on the Saturday. Um, and so, I mean, I, I, I thought about it. I thought about it for about a day and I realized that the opportunity to have a book in bookstores, which is, you know, a lifelong dream of mine yes, was more important than I think the thing was I had to take into account that in that job, I was at the peak of where I would get, you know, I wasn't going to move up further. I was at the very top of my pay grade. You know, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to get, um, any raises beyond cost of living increases. It was, it was time to go. And I think the thing is like, I don't think it was anybody being mean spirited or anything like that at my old workplace. Honestly, they also knew that this was a move that I needed to make. Okay. But, uh, that was hard. <laughs> it's hard to say, um, uh, uh, farewell health insurance. I mean, I'm in Canada, so it's not quite the same, but it's nice to have somebody paying for your glasses and, you know, your dentistry. Uh, yeah. and so, you know, uh, and I have three kids and, and a mortgage. The first thing we started looking at uh, that very first day of me deciding whether or not I was going to keep working there was, um, where do we move to where our mortgage won't be as big? You know, because we, I was right. working in Ottawa. Ottawa is the capital city. It was a town full of diplomats, and it's priced like a town full of diplomats, you know. And so I was like, well, first thing we're going to do is sell our Ottawa house and go somewhere hopefully cheaper. Um, and we ended up in Toronto, which is not really cheaper, but we're we're making it work. It's all it's all working. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was hard. It was hard to take those steps, and it was, it was stressful. Um, it got easier because in that same time period, I got offered a gig that was a three day a week gig, okay. which was exactly what I needed. You know, I needed to not work seven, seven, eight days a week. <laughs> I needed to, I needed to have at least a couple days a week to write. And so when I got offered a three day a week gig, uh, it was perfect. And it was also nice that it was a gig where I was getting it because of things like effing birds and my online projects and not, I'm not having to hide them on my resume. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like that's, yeah, absolutely, I, absolutely. I also, I, I came to that realization that if somebody's going to want to hire me to do stuff for them, they're hiring me because of these things, not because of some other things and I'm hiding this. You know, when I, when I got to the, to my new workplace, the first day I was there, there were already effing birds mugs in the cupboard. I was like, ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, this is my place. These are my people. I'm good. Wow. Uh, and that's, that's an incredible story because, um, you know, I've known people who have, have gone, you know, both ways, um, when they hit the fork in the road, they, they stick yeah. with what's familiar, what's comfortable, um, and, and basically just sacrifice and say, I'm not going to, to, you know, follow my dream. And, and, and no, others who say, I'm going to follow the dream. I was 40, I was 43 making that decision, you know, and part of that thought process was, well, I mean, if I'm not going to do it now, when am I ever going to, I'm going to wait till I retire, you know, like I have this opportunity right now. If I don't take this opportunity right now, there is no one has given me this opportunity so far. You know, this is the first time might be the only time if I'm going to do it, I got to do it. And Aaron, what'd you say too, in, in this 
society we live um when you want to make this most people around you probably it catches them off guard and they're not used to it and they're like whoa like yep. you know um I'm, I'm thinking back you know the industrial age like a henry ford you know he's trying, making cars and and things are you know a hundred of them don't turn out or edison light bulb and and but people aren't saying like that was crazy you know it, it was like my favorite bird coming up here like you know you should have known better and things like that so to do this you have to kind of really break out of the gravity it's like launching to the moon you got to get past everything and then yeah. and then and then you're there and, and you've made it i mean you are you are there um so so what inspires you to write these absolutely brilliant witty keen comments where does that come from i it's amazing like where where does this come from mostly it comes from my day-to-day life okay Um, especially when i was at my old job i interacted with a lot of human (laughs) beings and uh one of my one of the important keys to my being successful in my old job was to maintain a calm collected zen-like you know demeanor at all times and so i had a little notebook and I would write things down. Uh, it eventually became an, uh, a, the notes app on my phone. And when I was writing things down in my notes app, I looked at it one day and I was like, if anybody looked at this without knowing that I have a project <laughs> called Birds, they would think that I am like one situation away from exploding. Right. right. And, and so, you know, I have a very angry note that's marked Birds in my phone. Uh, and, you know, I just sort of like, I take any, negative experience I have and I turn it into fuel for, for this because if I let it be a negative experience, that is just a negative experience. I didn't get anything out of it and I would rather get something out of it. And so I make something out of it. Anything that anything bad, anything, when I feel a negative emotion, it turns into fuel for these projects. There's no like, so that I don't have to, I don't have to feel bad about having negative emotions because I mean, we have them. You know, and I can feel productive when I have a negative emotion instead of like fighting to keep it, you know, down here. And so it's like, great, embrace it, put it in the note. It's fuel. Let's move on with everything else because I know that's there for me later. So right there. I mean, and, and that's the personal safety. That is, yeah. that, that's the well, stress. My, my, my well-being in my brain. I had some of those uh, types of experiences. Um and, you know, I, I never wrote it down. So that was a thing too, because, you know, people think we're going to remember it or, you know, yeah. you're out biking and this, this really funny, you know, uh, something comes to you and it's like, it. but I think that's a point for anybody listening, um, you know, capture it if, if you want to, yeah. if you want to build up, whatever you want to do with it, if it, you know, your own, if it's just journal, but, but sometimes we just lose these funny things. I had, yeah, I, can I tell you I, something really important that yeah. in my old workplace. Yeah. Uh, I, one time early in my career, I did an exercise to understand what made me lose composure. Um, and it was a truly life altering exercise. Every time you either lose composure or you feel like you were on the verge of losing composure, you write down what happened without evaluating it. And you do that for a month, maybe two months. And then you look at it and you evaluate it in a package because it tells you what your pain points are. It tells you what people can do to knock you off your equilibrium. It tells you what will get you, what gets your goat. 
And once you know what gets your goat, you're immune, you know? So having understood the way that people could needle me, I could now no longer be needled in those ways. And it was like a superpower opening up. And so I strongly, strongly recommend that exercise. I, I did it. It changed everything about how I, how I talk and interact. And now I, uh, I, I recommend it for other people, you know, all the time because it's fantastic. So Aaron, to build upon that, um, something that I learned early in, in my career was find a good member check, meaning somebody you can go to and say, am I reading this wrong? Yeah. Am, am I perceiving? Yeah. I mean, be yeah. honest yeah. with me and someone yeah. who might be completely, you know, brutal in how honest they are and say, yeah, yeah, you are like you're, or, or no, this person is right. Like you, you've not been. Yeah. And, um, I have a couple of those people, um, and they've really helped me in it, in its respect. I mean, it, it is complete respect. I, I, you know, remember, you know, I was working on a project once and I, I ran it past, uh, again, a member check. And I thought it, I thought it was, I thought it was good. I thought people were just not open. I was taking some light, you know, limelight from them or whatever. And he's like, no, take this thing and just like rip it apart, put it on your dining oh, room wow. table, put it apart, put it back together. Yeah. And, and yeah, this is too much and too much, you know, it's too birdie. It's this and no one's going to, and, and I'm, and I was like, damn it. I'm like, come on, man. And then, you know, I'm, I'm in denial for an hour, but then I'm like, okay, I trust him. I know he's, this person he's is a person I trust interest. on purpose. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm, and then I just pull back and I'm like, he's right. He's right. Yeah. If I was looking at this, it's too, it's too much this, too much this. I've got this down. I don't need to replicate it. And it, and it was better, but. A must read for parents, teachers, and taxpayers. Dr. David Perodin has written the most honest book about the $3 billion school safety industrial complex. Attorney James Sibley proclaims. A brave demonstration of speaking truth to power. School of Errors rips the lid off the billion-dollar school safety industry. Using real-world examples of successful responses in desperate situations, David contrasts the expensive window dressings pitched to panic parents with the inexpensive and effective approaches proven to actually work. Read this book before you let your school waste another precious dollar on meaningless safety theater. Buy the international bestseller, School of Errors, Rethinking School Safety in America, now at Barnes & Noble or Amazon. So so you you don't have to identify, but do you have a member check or two that you bounce things off of or in this process when it kind of gets frustrating? I do. I actually have, um, uh, for SwearTrek, one of my, my favorite things I did was I built um, what we call the SwearTrek Writer's Room. It's a Slack okay. channel. It's a Slack channel where things go. And we debate whether or not um, uh, whether or not they're good, uh, whether or not they they go too far. Um, you know, always conscious of you know punching down and things like that. Right. Um, whether they hit the wrong note, you know, um, and and really whether or not they're funny. And so it has been great to have a team of you know they. Because I mean, it's an <laughs> square track doesn't make any money, so it's we're all unpaid in this endeavor, and so it's a rotating group of people that I trust, you know, and they'll spend some time and they'll and then you know bow out for a while and then come back, 
Uh, but uh, uh, I should I should name check everybody: uh, Mike, and Chrissy, and Noel, and Joe. Um, uh, I'm gonna have forgotten somebody. Nick, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep forgetting people, and then I'm gonna feel really bad about it. But I mean that that has been really vital to me, and that's vital in this kind of writing. Um, my editors have been very helpful in terms of that in in book writing, and at my old workplace, I think the greatest thing was that there was a strong culture of feedback and a strong culture of accepting feedback, you know? Okay. And so, because it's hard, it's hard to give feedback and it's hard to accept it. And so because as a company, we worked so hard on uh, delivering and accepting feedback, we all knew that we had each other's best interests at heart. And so we could go in and be critical of each other and, make things better because we all understood we were there to make people to make each other better. But I mean, that's hard. That's very hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to maintain. It is. Yeah. Even, even now, you know, I, I still, my first reaction is to put up the force field, you know, right. Yeah. And, and then, uh, and then, you know, let the brain uh, kick in and, and process through it and say, yeah, well, listen, you know. listen to me with F and birds. I was like, no, I know this is a good idea. Screw you guys. You know, yeah. like that's, that's, that's not the way to take feedback, but part of feedback is filtering it and understanding the parts of it. And so my reaction wasn't a straight up screw you guys, even though I like to tell the story that way. Um, my reaction was let's disassemble this and find out what is wrong with this for them from their perspective. What do they see as being wrong? And I, and it was great because I could understand it and I could also understand it like culturally from the organization being very like, um, uh, cautious is probably the most generous, you know, right. way to, 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 to put it. Um, although, I mean, do you, do you come to me for something cautious? I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right. They come to me for something bold, you know, absolutely. But, yeah. Absolutely. So my, my favorite bird, Aaron is yeah. the forethought heron. Um, Aaron, yes. Because, you know, of course you didn't plan for this effing cat catastrophe, right? As, yeah. You know, as someone who works in school safety, the bird reminds me of the I told you so experts as is in the description, you know, show up in the post mortem. Um, yeah, they're never there at the start. They're, they're never there. Afterwards. Yep. <laughs> they're afterwards. Yep. And if you only would have had the contingency, there's no such thing as force majeure. We can account for everything. You should have known this. Right. And so I'm, I'm going through. Um, so when I hit hit the forethought, um, Heron, I'm, I'm thinking that's Kevin. Like that yep. to a T is Kevin. And I found that as I'm going through more and more of the birds, um, they're, they're just linking out, you know, this is this person, this is just this person, this is this person. And it gives me a smile then because every time I see it, I'm like, ah, it's you, but you know, can't, it's, it's a way for me to, to kind of chuckle and, 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 you know, take this in without, you know, pointing. But do you also, did you have that experience as, as you're putting this together or oh, yeah. people come to you and say, that is, and I, I guess I've kind of read this in, you know, social media comments because people say like, this was completely Janice at the three hour meeting this morning. This is yep. her. Yep. Okay. There's, I think that the number one goal of F and birds is to spark recognition. And I actually spend a lot of time and effort taking the situation that happened to me or the thing that bothered me and diluting it and taking away specificity until it can apply to more and more and more people. 
And what was funny is writing the book in the descriptions, I ended up putting specificity back into it uh, to the degree that there is a, uh, an accounting of my uh, 2017 annual review in the book. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Jody, you're in the book. Uh, so uh, <laughs> uh, they're not going to like that one. Okay, so uh, anyways, um, I, there's this thing where if you give people reasons to object, they'll object. Right. And so right. one of my thought processes with these jokes is take away all the things that somebody can use to say, this is not what happened to me. Right. Uh, right. I, I was thinking about it in terms of getting, you know, cut off in traffic. If I complain about the red car that cut me off as I was trying to get onto the highway. Right. The somebody who wasn't getting onto the highway, who wasn't cut off by a red car, you know, they're out. Yes. But if I complain about getting cut off, um, if I don't mention a car, the person who got cut off by a bike, the person who had somebody push in front of them in a line in the supermarket, they have had the same experience, right? So I just have to keep pulling out parts until it still makes sense, which is, that's the, I think the hardest part, is make it vague while making sense and being the most relatable. Because I really need people to sort of say, oh yeah, that's me. I feel that. <laughs> you know? and, that's, and that's like the whole, that's the core of this project. That was the core of, of Swear Trek was, oh yeah, I feel that. Um, uh, or, uh, my favorite, my favorite reply, when I get this reply on social media, when somebody just replies, it me, that means <laughs> I did it right because it me is the, that's the response I'm looking for. So, you know, uh, yeah, that's, it's always written with that in mind. So, you know, your, give me your favorites, your three favorites. You asked that in an email. So I actually went and put bookmarks in the book so I could find them. It's hard. It's like picking your own children, Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, there's one here. Uh, am I, am I cursing on this show or not cursing? On this you, show? you can, yeah, you can okay. curse. Okay. Just cause it's in the caption. I'm not, I mean, I don't swear a lot in my daily life, which is very weird, but, um, there's this little, uh, guy here. He says, uh, I'm just going to get into bed and eat a whole fucking pie. This guy right here. <laughs> yep. And I'm going to read you the caption. Uh, the capitulation finch. When the world is too much to handle, the capitulation finch has a nap, uh, habitat in bed on the couch. Lying on the floor between the bed and the couch. Uh, identifying characteristics, sweatpants. You know, I have strongly felt the urge to be that bird. Why do I have to work today? Can I just go play video games for a while? Can I? Right. I, I want to watch this show. I want to watch the new Dark Crystal show, right? When am I going to get 10 hours to watch Dark Crystal? Yeah, well, right. Maybe I could do it today instead of doing work. You know, I want to be that bird. So um, here's another one. Um, fallacies blackbird he says leave this to the fucking professionals uh, <laughs> when, whenever conversations requiring expertise and nuance occur fallacies blackbird is there to muddy the waters uh, habitat academia panel shows letters to the editor uh, identifying characteristics hubris misplaced confidence and an embarrassing history of deleted tweets. Uh, that is about a very specific individual but I think that's a pretty general uh, yes. <laughs> yeah um and then I love the appraising bluebird here. One of the beautiful color plates in the book it says, keep it in your pants. Uh, if you don't want the appraising bluebird's opinion on something, you should not show that something to the appraising bluebird. Uh, habitat. For some incomprehensible reason, people constantly seek out the appraising bluebird. It doesn't hide, but it sure as hell doesn't have a neon sign by its nest that says, I want to hear your hot takes. Identifying characteristics. While its victims wish it were not the case, the appraising bluebird feels no obligation to be kind when replying to an unsolicited opinion. Yes. There we go. So, 
so so right there though that's that's you know most people going to social media and posting a photo and then just checking back five minutes 10 minutes 15 minutes how many likes how many comments right yep yep and and so um and i shared i I shared a funny story um i think it was funny you know before we start talking so you know i got a brown brown sport coat and um, I, I shown it to my to my mom because I, I you know they stopped down and I say hey, you, got, you know, got a sport coat and stuff like that and she says that's great just don't ever wear it with black the day before I present it I wore black pants <laughs> with it which is fine right but I mean I'm thinking what and then of course that as soon as they leave I'm going on Google and I'm like which color pants can you wear with a brown blazer and I'm finding black black so I'm getting validated you know off of yeah off of people uh, that I don't know. I'm not posting on social media. I'm just, I'm just trying to find this to make sure I'm absolutely not crazy yeah. and, and doing this color combination that you never do ever like this law that I've, that I broke and I subjected all of these people to, but, Oh, that, I mean, but that's amazing. So as you went through all of those, I, I'm immediately putting people to those. And I, and I think by doing that, that process is a, an awareness process. Um, and again, I'm going to, you know, but I, I think it's, it's safety. It's people being able to perceive and generalize out to their environment. And if you can't do that, I think that's a concern. I mean, if you're just plowing and so linear through life and if you've just had your humor maybe dampened by a workplace um, yeah. or, or just by people around you. I mean, one of the things, um, so I, I, I teach um, school administrators and in some some open conversations, they said, you know, one of the parts of the job is I feel that if I smile or if I laugh, there's always someone who's saying he's not taking it or she's not taking it serious. Taking it seriously. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it's like that's not at all what's what's happening. But um, if they can't bring you down to feeling the anxiety that they feel and that they can't deal with it, then somehow, you know, you're, you're dismissed or callous or something like that. So, um but it's, I, again, I, 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 think, I think the book is, is this pressure relief valve, this, this, this way for people to have a mirror to kind of see in, inside of themselves and laugh. Again, I go through so many of the comments just because people in the comments are funny, right? They're doing oh, yeah. it. They're pulling yeah, yeah, their yeah. own stuff out. And, and, you know, and it's doctors and nurses and lawyers and college students. And, and um, it's almost like, you know, you could curate this whole um, the, all these discussion threads and, and pull out something that in and of itself would be a companion document. Yeah. And something and, insightful. Like, I, I think that uh, yeah. it is always surprising to me, and, and it shouldn't be because these are designed this way, but I post something and then I have a whole bunch of people in the comments working out what they went through today. And yes. it's like, right? Like, right. I, I, I shouldn't be surprised about it. It happens all the time. But every time it's like this little like note of like, Oh, I feel like I helped them in some tiny way as a stranger. Yeah, you you did. I mean, it it is a tool for doing that. Um, So I've seen this with your book and I I want you to tell me about some of the unique experiences. When I, when I posted um, my, when I became an author, I started to have people email me photos of the book and photos of the book, you know, where they're, in a canoe and here's me out on a lake with a book. Here's me at whatever in Arizona with the book. And I'm like, well, I didn't even know that happened. So I talked to one of my friends that had published several books. He's like, Oh yeah. And he said, the more you do it, the more outrageous the photos become. Yes. 
Um, so I want to ask you, what have been some of the most outrageous um, images where you've, someone has said, here's FM book and right. here's the context. So I'll tell you the very best uh, one of these. It was uh, a couple days after Christmas and it wasn't about the book. It was about a different product from the FM bird store. It was about a beach towel. Okay. Um, yeah. uh, I was, I don't know if it was, either, it was either Joe or Nick, one of them said, hey, we can make beach towels on demand. Should we make beach towels? And I was like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Who wants to buy a beach towel that says, like, eat farts? Right. And, uh, and, and so we did it anyways because that's a great reason to do it. It's a dumb, dumb idea. And it costs nothing. They're on demand, so I might as well do it. You know, it took me, like, 20 minutes to put the art together. Done. Uh, and so there is a picture that I got sent of a, uh, a person's mom opening her Christmas gift. And she's holding up the towel, and you can see that it says "Eat Farts," and it has this big majestic eagle on it. And the look of disdain on Mom's face, and how upset she is that she got this present—it warmed my heart. Yes, I loved it so much. Anyways, well, the greatest part of that, though, was it ended up with me having a conversation back and forth with uh, the the woman who gave it to her mom and who took the picture. It's Meredith Yianos, and she. Uh, is a great musician, and ultimately, a serious project that I was working on, I needed a composer and violin player for it, and so because Meredith sent me this picture of her mom holding up the towel that says eat farts with this horrible look on her face, it led to us working on a project called No Second Chances, where she composed an original score for a, a, a podcast series I was working on, where... Um, um, so in my serious work, uh, I have done a series of podcasts for Canada 2020, which is a, 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 a think tank in Canada. Uh, the, the, the crown jewel of what we did together is a program called No Second Chances, where we talked to uh, the 12 women who've been first minister in the history of Canada. There have only been 12 women. First minister for non-Canadians, it's a provincial premier or the prime minister. Okay. We've had one, one woman as prime minister. We've had 11 women as, as uh, pre provincial premiers or territorial premiers. Um, and uh, so we talked to all 12 women and had them tell their stories in the first person. We went to them so that they were in control. They were in their homes. Uh, like we literally ended up at the Arctic Ocean. I was uh, in Nellie Cornier's little wooden house on the edge of the Arctic Ocean. She's 78 years old. She fishes off her back porch for sustenance. Incredible. And that's where we went to talk to her. She was the, she was the premier of uh, the Northwest Territories. And uh, anyways, to have them tell their own stories uh, because their stories all have very, very similar trajectories. And so it's a great exploration of women in politics in Canada and what it's like to get there, to get into politics, to rise, and then to ultimately to fall. Uh, and the reason it's called No Second Chances is in the history of our country, uh, at the first minister level, no woman has been reelected uh, oh, okay. in the entire history of the country. And so uh, it was even kind of put to the test during production of it. Uh, Rachel Notley was a premier of Alberta and was going through uh, a uh, the Alberta election in which she lost. Uh, so, uh, you know, it was anyways, very serious project. Uh, there are. Not a lot. There are some jokes in it, but there's not a lot of jokes, and there's certainly no birds that say the F word in that project. Uh, but uh, Meredith uh, composed a magnificent solo violin score for it, and uh, it was my great pleasure 
to spin a picture that says eat farts with Meredith's <laughs> upset mom holding it into a like heartbreaking and beautiful piece of music, you know? Wow. That, I, yeah. That's outstanding. Um, that's, what, that's, what, that's why the internet is great. You know, the internet can be a horrible cesspool, but the internet can be a beautiful, wonderful place. And it's, it's like, uh, and I mean, when I say the internet, I really, I mean, social media, right? Cause social media can be awful, but social media can lead to these connections. Social media can give us, opportunities that we would never have another way and it's like it's so frustrating to have had this great experience on twitter have to be lumped in with the horrible experiences of like everybody every day on twitter so thank you for tuning in to the safety doc podcast with the nation's leading safety expert dr david perodin Author, radio show host, university instructor, researcher, expert witness, and consultant. Powerful testimonials. Dr. Perodin has a strong reputation as the go-to safety consultant, and he was still able to exceed our expectations. When we went looking for an expert in the field of crisis preparedness and prevention, David was the single person we pursued. Not easy stepping into the touchier subjects of life, but Dr. David pulls it off. Take a listen. Now, back to Dr. David Perodin and the Safety Doc Podcast. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, you know, in, in my profession, I've met some of you know, my, my closest friends now, you know, through social media. And, you know, even when I started the podcast, uh, Hector Solis, who is an established podcaster in um, Texas, uh, reached out to me and said, hey, you know, I'd like, I like your content, but I can tell your audio is messed up and this is messed up and this is messed up. I can, will you let me help you? I mean, that's what he said. Will you let me help you? And I said, I'd be, yes, absolutely. You know, because yeah, I'm, I'm recording, you know, and I've, some of the weirdest configurations as I'm just getting started. So Hector, you know, helped me made tutorials and said, here, I'm going to send them in a Google drive to you, little video tutorials, do this, get this software, do this. And instantly like things got better and we've remained friends. Um, And again, you know, you talk about, yeah, people, I mean, someone I could do as a member check, I was presenting on PBS in, in, July, I did present PBS, and before I did that, I did a, many mock presentations because that right. stuff you got to have down. Yeah. And um, and I, you know, I said, just give me some feedback. I'm not putting this out to everyone, right? But but just give me some feedback on timing or whatever, and and you know, really helpful. So, but yeah, people, I, I, this network. Um, somebody asked me what would be different in your next book because I'm working on a second book. But right. what's going to be ne- ne- different? And I said the difference is I've got to know so many people. And most of them are through social media and good people, like wonderful people. So, yeah, I mean, there's crazy, wild stuff out there and and the negativity, but there are also extremely creative, kind people. And I have no idea. And so so I'm like, I was, was, for the first, um, the the first iteration of what the Eppenbirds book was going to be was this crowdfunded book. And we're on the Unbound platform, which is a tremendous platform. If you have an audience and you want to publish a book, and you want a pathway to bookstores, but you uh, you don't know how to get there. Um, and I'm in the middle of the Unbound campaign, and there is uh, Unbound ask if they can connect me with a writer who also wants to put together an Unbound campaign, who turns out is someone that I am a huge fan of. 
And I was like, yes, please. So I'm working on, uh, I'm, I'm doing the crowdfund for the original version of the Ethan Birds book and uh, Unbound uh, contact me and ask if they can put me in touch with this other writer who's, who wants to do an Unbound campaign, answer some questions and help them out with it a little bit. And it's somebody that like, I am a huge fan of. Like I had, I had been that afternoon reading something else that they had read, uh, sorry, that they had written. And I was so excited. And in the end, we had this great conversation where it was like, okay, but uh, let's figure out how to help each other. Uh, let me help you with this campaign. And uh, in uh, one of the projects that I have uh, potentially coming up is a, a comic book that I've wanted to write for a while. And so I have an Eisner award-winning story editor for comics that has said, yes, send me, let's do feedback. And it's like, all I had to do was say, yes, I'm totally willing to help, you know? When you say yes, when you say yes to things, when you say yes to helping, like right. it comes back to you and it comes back to you often bigger than you could offer in the first place. Yeah. And, and you know, so that's, that's another good takeaway from this because that's something I've been taught. Um, and it's something I've, I've been doing, you know, more and more because people who are just, you know, starting in, you know, writing books, children's books regarding safety and drill trauma and stuff like that. Hey, would you look at this? I know you're busy and yeah. busy. And I was like, someone did it for me. Like somebody did it for me. This is a good thing that you're doing. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this for Absolutely. you. And then it, and it does roll back around because, yeah, then they're, you know, letting people know of, of your work. And, and um, so I before this, this slips out of my head, I've been thinking, um, has anyone contacted you and said, you know, I was, I, I really was at a, a struggling point in my life when I got your book. And maybe it's something where, you know, a family member has passed, some change in career, something like that. And, and they've really come out and said, um, this has, th this just reframed things for me. It's like, I'm, uh, I, I, this got me through a, a rough patch. Um, because I get, yeah, I, I think get a lot your of book could do messages. that. Yeah. I get a lot of, uh, especially on social media, I get a lot of like, I was feeling like garbage or this bad thing happened and I was feeling this way about it. And then this thing came along and, uh, and has turned that around. And, and so I always feel good when I get those, I feel like my personal therapy has helped somebody else because like these all come from things that bothered me. And so it is wonderful that the way that I'm dealing with what bothered me is there and helpful for somebody else. How do you think FN birds will age in, in 10 years? Um, oh, how, how are people going to look, look back on this is because, you know, it's hit and miss, right? How things right. age, they can age great or horribly. I would think? be happy if, um, so here's a great piece of perspective that I heard once, uh, on the commentary track for the movie seven, uh, David Fincher, uh, who's early in his career at this point. Um, he says uh, to a question somebody else asks about how he wants this movie to be regarded in the future. He says, I will be happy if this is a movie that somebody's switching channels late at night and it shows up on cable and they're like, oh, that movie. I remember that. I'm going to sit down and watch the rest of it. You know, and I think that's kind of like. That's all you can ask for. You know, you can't. You can't hope for you know, you can't help hope for a book that gets printed 20 times, you know, and has anniversary editions and all that kind of stuff. Because if you hope for those things, you know, your expectations will get crushed. 
You know, at some point, your expectation will always be higher than what you're going to achieve. And so I like I'm a big fan of there was a book called uh, The Meaning of Lift that was by uh, John Lloyd and Douglas Adams. Uh, that was a dictionary, a fake dictionary. And I loved the meaning of lift and I bought a copy of it and I felt like none of my friends knew what it was. And I gave it to all of them for their birthdays and stuff like that. And then about five years later, a second version of it came out called the, the deeper meaning of lift. Oh. And that was it. Like, I don't think it's had any, like, I don't think there's any lasting cultural impact to that book, which is, I mean, it's from Douglas Adams who wrote Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I mean, he's, he has made a dent in the literary universe and uh, and that's one of his books that I don't think is even in print right now. And so I would love to have that kind of impact, you know, a book that somebody buys for a bunch of their friends because it made them laugh a lot and, you know, that sticks around on people's shelves. I mean, I'm I'm blessed in that I, there's a hardcover edition of this book, which is not a thing that I expected. You yes. know, I was expecting we were going to do some, you know paperback that I could afford to print, you know, I was going to do a print run of X number of books and they'd go out there. But instead, like I'm, I have a hardcover book uh, that's with 10 speed press. They're distributed by Penguin Random House. It's going to bookstores. Like that's, I can't ask for more than that. That's, that's the dream right there. The weird little cult book in the, on the, on the shelf at the back of the humor <laughs> section where, where they keep all the other weird little books. You know, if I'm on the book, uh, if I'm on the bookshelf where the meaning of lift was sitting, that's, everything I want in the whole world right there. How about with, um, you know, I, political correctness and, and just, it, it seems, um, you know, everything is, is getting measured. And again, yeah. this, you know, people tell me this um, in, in the school. So I have to be very careful about, you know, what I say, what I wear, you know, what kind of vehicle, I mean, all of these things now have some deeper interpretation by a, the masses, sure. right? And that's what people are tuning into. Um, I mean, is, is your perception that this book will, will transcend that or at some point it'll be kind of this soft sensor possible, <laughs> which would be, which would be a shame, right? I'm saying that, know, would, I, that would, so, that would be a tragic reflection of society of boom, shutting something yeah, else. But, but the thing is, I don't, I don't feel like the book is going to be in that place because I like to play the, I like to do the exercise of if somebody says political correctness, replace that with respecting how other people feel. Do you know what I mean? Because you can, you can almost always substitute one for the other. And um, uh, sometimes they make the arguments become very hilarious. <laughs> but the thing about this book is it is not like, it is about, respecting how other people feel like it's directly addressing how people feel it's directly addressing how i feel and and having empathy for that and so i don't think that it's in any danger of going away in that way now that said one of the most fascinating things that happens on social media is that sometimes people will see an effing bird post or a swear track post uh and say wow, that's about this specific topic that I care a lot about and it's, right. and it's diametrically opposite to how I feel about it. And then they get very mad. And I, I embrace those conversations because I say, you know, this is like a Rorschach test. You know, you it see is. in it what you it bring is. to it. Absolutely. And, 
And I feel like this argument that we are having, you know, me and this person on the internet, uh, is an argument you were having with somebody else that you've now brought to this. Because those, your feeling about it, I mean, intentionally, I leave them vague so that you can put your own circumstances on them. Um, but you have read a lot into six words, you know? Yes. And, uh, and so it's been productive to have those conversations because those are also people who are having a terrible day. You know, they're having right. a terrible day. And I think it's better for me to be the focus of the anger laser because I can, I can get past it, you know, rather better me than somebody who's not expecting it or who hasn't dealt with it or who will then, you know, flip their lid and have a huge blowout argument with this stranger on the internet. It's better to be able to say, Hey, like I totally get where you're coming from. That wasn't my intention when I wrote it, but also I wrote it open so that you could find your own intention in it. And I think you are connecting it with what else is happening in your life. And you're mad at not me, but that other thing that's happening. And, and almost always they say, yep, there was, there's a couple of times when people have said, no, hundred percent, you meant this. And I was like, <laughs> I mean, I'm the one who knows what I meant. And I wrote this cause a guy cut me off in traffic. So, you know, but like, I get it. I get why you feel that way because I wrote it like that. And that is the trap that I kind of set for myself a little bit is that they are open to interpretation. And sometimes those interpretations can be negative, but I mean, I don't know. I feel, I feel good about the way I do it. And that's yeah. all, that's all you can ask for, you know, is to, is to do it in a way that you feel is positive and a contribution. We talked about what's next. And I, yeah, I, and I was, I was inaccurate. I thought there was a book coming out with crustaceans, right? Crabs. Isn't that one? Clams. This is, crab, this is, yeah, this crab that I posted that it's just yeah. a, it, I mean, it went to the F and birds feed, but it was a picture of a crab and it says, uh, 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 look asshole. I don't have time. To <laughs> and I mean, the, the crabs joke is that don't, it's a you know? crab in the feed, you know, that's why it's the joke, but I'm not going to do, I like to move on to something different. And I think one of my struggles is, the expectation for me for the next thing is always something similar. You know, uh, the expectation uh, when SwearTrek did well is that I was going to go find some other property and give it the SwearTrek treatment. And it's like, yeah, but I did that, you know, and I did it well. And so let's find a different thing, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'd do it if somebody wanted to, you know, back it financially, you know, for their own content library. You know, hit, hit me up, big providers. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I want to do things that are, at least a little bit different. And so, you know, my next pile of things is, a, I have taken this opportunity of having a book coming out of bookstores to say, what are the projects that I would like to do? What are dream projects? Put them on the pitch list, flesh them out enough that you can pitch them. And so if this book does well, because it comes out October 15th, if we see good sales and, you know, my publisher is interested in another book uh, or somebody else is interested in a book, I've got some pitches. And so that's, I mean, that's all I can ask for. Uh, I used to, for a long time, I wrote about baseball. Uh, I revisited a very old pitch of mine that's now at the 15th anniversary of the event that I wanted to write about. Because uh, in 2004, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, I'm, I'm from Toronto, the 2004 Toronto Blue Jays were expected to be a great team. And then they were one of the worst teams in the, in the, in the history of the franchise. They Whoa. lost a hundred games Whoa. and, uh, uh, that I was covering the Jays during that. And 
it was just like everything that could go wrong did go wrong. And I think that it's a great time for an oral history of what went wrong in 2000. <laughs> um, because it's, there, there are a lot of things. And as soon as I reached out to a couple of people about it, they were like, oh, did you know this story? And I was like, I did not know this story. Wow. So I have this great, like, already collection of, of wonderful anecdotes. Uh, but there's that. Uh, I've also been working on a joke for a long time called Vin Diesel is Hamlet. Uh, where you just take Hamlet out of Hamlet and put actual Vin Diesel in in his place, or you know the the Vin Diesel that we all perceive as Vin Diesel, you know the the Fast yeah. and Furious slash Triple X Vin Diesel, and um, uh, it's sort of like in my mind mentally removing Hamlet, putting in Vin Diesel, and just letting him you know pinball around and see what happens and writing it down, uh, which is so much fun. But I figured out a framework to do that as a comic book, and so that um, that I have. About 20% written. I'm very pleased with that. Um, I had a project about pirates uh, in which Daniel Defoe is the villain. Um, he's the you know smarty pants writer who gives everybody a bad name. Uh, and uh, I have, pro- uh, what else have I got? I got a project. Oh, I got a project called Tinseltown, which is about an idealistic 1950s Los Angeles police detective uh, who gets transferred to the North Pole. And he oh. uncovers a web of corruption at the North Pole where uh, Santa Claus, the big guy, is at the center of it. So... <laughs> That's awesome. You know, Get to mail, yeah. right? That yeah, is, so, that's, wow. Yeah, so I got a bunch of weird projects. I'm, I'm looking at my list of what else is here. The pirate project. Oh yeah. I have a project that's in my, in my notes as the cease and desist project. Um, <laughs> oh, there no. are a lot of projects that I've done that I've been worried that somebody is going to object to them and say no and pull the plug. Yeah. This one, hundred percent. I'm going to get a cease and desist letter. Okay. I still kind of want to do it. And so I have connected with a bunch of friends and that's a video project that uh, uh, looks like we're going to do at least a single episode. And so uh, we'll see if uh, we'll see how quickly uh, I get this letter for the season. This project. I mean, I called it that in the, in the notes. So obviously I'm putting that out there in the universe, that that's what should happen, but it's also the right way to not have to do that project for a year it's like let's do two great episodes and get a cease and desist and be done you know that's the greatest it's like it's like what they tried to do uh with the beatles uh let it be album uh, movie where they went up to perform on the rooftop where their goal okay. was to have the police break up the concert and that be the end of the film right oh and so okay the police break up the concert because you know there there was a noise complaint <laughs> wow who puts wow. in a noise complaint against the beatles who is that guy that's a story that somebody should write just absolutely, yeah. So it's 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 tooting, it's it's just tuning into into that humor, and you know, thank thankfully I've I've had that throughout my life. Um, even when I I presented on you know public television and, and we're talking about school safety, there's still people in the audience who are, are are able to smile and reflect a little bit as I'm talking about how crazy it is that we think we have to do like bulletproof igloos and put superintendents in, and then people right. can bring their yeah. guns. And and shoot at this igloo, and if the superintendent makes it out okay, then we buy seven of them. I'm like, yeah, but there's a downside to that, right? If it does, if yeah. it doesn't make it out, then you have to get a new superintendent. And it's, just, I mean, it's just, I mean, I'm just like, what the hell? Who thought this was a good idea? Yeah. And um, it it it's it just so it is it's so crazy. Um, and I you know, and I'm respectful. I I understand it. But at the same time, you have to point out to people just um, how over the top some of this this is. Yep. So as as we as we bring to a close, um, your work with Fireside. Can you tell me about Fireside oh, and Fireside and, Conference? Yeah, yeah, what what the Fireside Conference is, your role in it, who is there, what it accomplishes. So I was invited to Fireside Conference for the first time four years ago, and I did not know what to expect. I had had a 
an unexpected social media success. I'd gone viral for the first time in a like sustainable way. And, um, I went to give a talk on my unexpected journey and I, I sort of understood what I was getting into from how they described it, but I didn't really understand until I got there. Fireside is at a kid's summer camp. It is the weekend. It's the first weekend after Labor Day. So kids are back to school. So the camp is empty. It's the last weekend where it's still kind of warm enough to go up there, but you know, uh, but no kids are going to be up there. Yes. And it is, you know, uh, cabins with bunk beds, right? A mess hall, um, you know, tennis courts, you know, and like sporting equipment and a swim dock and like all I can, like a summer right. camp, old school summer camp. And it's actually, it's been around for 50 years, the camp that it's, it's held at. It's at Camp Walden in, uh, I, it's like three or four hours north of Toronto. And the, the thing about it, that part, that setting makes it great. And it brings this aspect of play and camp to a technology conference. But more importantly, there is no cell service. And while they have a Wi-Fi connection in one building, it is satellite Wi-Fi, which is like dial-up, except worse because okay. it has a huge <laughs> delay on it. So there's no cell service and there is Wi-Fi, but it's only in one place and it's very bad. Uh, and so you are, and, and you know what? Electricity is limited there. There's almost no like place to plug in. So you're giving talks, but you're giving talks around a fire pit. You know, one year I literally sat in an Adirondack chair, you know, those kind of like, yeah, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I sat in an Adirondack chair and did a podcast. It was great. And you can hear oh, crackling yeah. fire through the whole yeah. thing. But even like the, there's an amphitheater that's like in the round, it's it, the, the lake is behind it. There's the fire pit. And then you stand here and there's a cute little amphitheater. And so it forces you to connect on a very human level because we have none of our other crutches to rely on. There's no heading off to see what happened on Twitter because even if you go to the Wi-Fi place, it's it's terrible. So yes. it's not going to be a good experience. And this year was the first year where I never connected to the Wi-Fi. Um, I've gone four years in a row. And this year I did not even try to connect. And I felt very proud of myself. Uh, I also brought a giant banner uh, uh, that says fuck Wi-Fi. I saw that. In the Wi-Fi room. So I felt really good about that. Um, so it is a conference where there's not only like a huge personal connection aspect to it but also it is very focused on what you can give to other people rather than what you can take away from the conference so and it plays into that whole idea that if you are giving things to other people you're going to get back and you're probably going to get back more you know and that is a, like a primary ethos of it they keep it small it's about 400 people uh, it's a, a absolute knockout of a conference if you can get in because it's actually hard to get in it is worth getting into uh, because, you know, limited number of limited number of spots because it's really about the capacity of the summer camp. It's about the capacity of the summer camp and about what's the capacity where everybody could probably meet everybody else. Okay. You know what I mean? And so it's, um, it's been fascinating. I've forged some ongoing uh, friendships and ongoing business relationships there. And uh, it's been tremendous for both of those. You know, I love it. Uh, I've been four times, definitely going back next year. Next year, I'm trying to bring my whole, uh, the whole effing birds team with me. Uh, 
I mean, we won't have a private cabin because those cabins hold like 20 people, but we'll at least have a corner of it that belongs yeah. to us. You know, I, so, but I've seen there's there's a company that was there this year that that they rented a whole cabin. And they brought literally their whole team. It was so great. So in and it's there's some center theme of of comedy in it. No, or oh, no, no, more, it's, it's more connection. It's, it's, it's more technology. Like it okay, is the, the primary people that are there are like there's venture capital people. There are startups. There are uh, the last few years have had a real focus on. Uh, the cannabis business, uh, particularly in Canada, because uh, it has been legalized, but uh, uh, also, you know, startups coming from the States uh, and from, you know, in places where it is legal or places where they're expecting it to become legal. Uh, there's a, a side conference that's about, like, innovation in law, uh, which is, I think, fascinating. But um, hearing those guys talk, there's so much, there's so much space for technology to right. refine what is a very paper-driven process, you know, very paperwork, paper-driven process. And so uh, I, I love it because unexpected things happen there. I did not expect that I would make a great friend in Christina Crook, who wrote a book called The Joy of Missing Out, which was spawned by her taking 31 days off from the Internet um, and from, you know, that kind of technology in general. Uh, but... It's about her book and her talks are about focus and understanding what's valuable, what is contributing to you and what it's taking away from you, you know, and, and you finding that balance that works for you. And I like, I, I didn't need it as much the first year that I was there as I needed it the second and third and fourth year that I was there. Like, yeah. Uh, I was on, I, she has a podcast. That's the, the Jomo cast, the joy of missing out podcast. Uh, she, uh, uh, had me on to talk about work-life balance and like, it's, it's a, it's an ongoing struggle for me, but I'm happy to have her in my corner helping me out. Wow. I mean, so what you're talking about is, is forging, yeah, those relationships, those member checks and, and, yep. you know, I think the health of that conveys through your work because I mean, cause your work is so dialed in. Um, and what you've shared today is helping people to understand, you know, every, not everything, but many things that go into the back of that as far as taking care of yourself psychologically, yeah. uh, relationships, priorities. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I know some, some people I've, I've talked to, I can see, you know, kind of on the burnout, um, the burnout yes. path and, and even in, in their forties. I've been so, on that path. It's yeah. not a good path. You know, I envision your book when I'm reading through the comments and people, people are reading this. This, this is, it's helping them with agency, with purpose, with humor, with being um, aware of what's happening in life. And is this really so serious? Because, you know, I, I, I take things too seriously, I think is, is a point that comes out of that. And I think it's, it's doing so much good for so many people that you'll never be able to measure, right? You'll never right. know how much it just changed their uh, disposition. So when they, they did come home and they were with friends and family that they weren't the buzzsaw that they were going to be. Um, yeah. And fingers I crossed, right? Fingers crossed that that's the impact. Fingers, fingers crossed. So um, I love your book. I love your work. Um, but let's tell people how they can get the book, how they can yeah. buy an F and birds deck of cards. <laughs> <laughs> all the magical things can be found at fmbirds.com. Uh, that's where all the, all the fun nonsense is. Uh, and the, uh, the book itself 
uh, can be found. Uh, it's coming out October 15th. So if you are seeing this before October 15th, anywhere that carries books from Penguin Random House can order it for you. Uh, you can have it on release day. Uh, so that's, you know, all the, all the major places. And then after that, you know, hit up your local bookstore and ask them to keep it in stock for you. Uh, and if you want a list of what bookstores have it, if you go to fmbirds.com, scroll down so you see a picture of the book, you click on it, it'll take you to Penguin's website, and it'll have a little, like, where to order button, and it'll tell you. Uh, uh, do you guys, do you know IndieBound? Uh, yes. That's, it's not a thing up here in Canada, but I love it for the States, because, like, you put in a zip code, and it says, here are six stores around you that, are, that can carry this book. It's like, oh, yeah, love it. Let's say, uh, you know, indie publishers, let's uh, sorry, indie, indie bookstores. Let's do this, you know? Wow. Um, so yeah, I, I strongly um, encourage any, anyone listening to this, just go and check it out. And, and you're going to want the book. You're going to want the book is what? 200 pages, right? 200 pages. Not 200 pages. And, you got it. and, and the, 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 the drawings are incredible. Um, the, the fan, uh, the whimsical script just, just brings out uh, just I love, amplifies I love the shopping amplifies for the typefaces. I so, love shopping for typefaces. It's such a uh, perfect match, and and you, you're 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 gonna you're gonna people are gonna be like, what 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 what's happening? You're laughing. It's so funny. You're. I I mean, I would call it the the calibration tool, right? You know, because after you, after you do something, you know, you're you're for a while you, you got to sharpen a knife, you got to calibrate, you know, machinery, whatever. And it's the same thing with us, you know, all of us, we need to be, be calibrated. It's a calibration tool. So I, I love it. Um, thank you for your time today uh, with the safety. Thank doc you so podcast. Much for having me. Um, it, it's, it's uh, Aaron, it's my honor. And I, you know, I, I strongly, you know, work, to keep my show and, and work with people. So we have agency and purpose and then also like physical environment safety and, and procedures. And people kind of want to go off on physical environment procedures and say, you know, there's this whole other part that, that we need to attend to. It's kind of the warm way, right? It's all of us versus software and hardware. And if you don't do that, these other systems are just bound to fail because people aren't going to know how to interact with them or something stressful happens in life and they're going to uh, crumble in that. So, um, you know, th this, this was, this was fun for me and this is something where, uh, people are going to take out of this and, and hopefully get right online. It was, it was funny. Somebody was asking me, so where, where can I get your book? I'm like, Oh, places that sell books. I mean, it's not that hard and elusive <laughs> to find. I mean, if you if you do if you can't find it right away, if you go on the internet for three minutes and do a, a Google search, I mean, um, you're you're going to find it, right? Have have a great day, and my continued, um, you know, praise for the book and just my excitement. I, you know, I I really like to see when people take. Um, take their talent and, and push it forward and then it blossoms and then everybody else benefits from it because it becomes a roadmap for other people. I'm happy for you. This is, this is, I, I, I just am. I mean, as I'm going through, I'm like, this, I, I'm just so glad this, this is happening. And, nice. um, it's, I, I just sense it's the start and, and whatever else comes out, I'm going to be there. Probably won't do a beach tell deck of cards. Absolutely. Um, your cards is great. Yeah, I'm going to be there. So, well, um, we have Aaron Reynolds today on the Safety Doc podcast. So check out FN Birds. You can go to fnbirds.com. 
It's wonderful. It's hilarious. It's intelligent. It's brilliant. Please check it out. And just all of his work, Aaron Reynolds, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Safety Doc Podcast. Thanks for having me. This has been the Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio show host, and leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Remember to check back each week for the latest, best, and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. You can find Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe.